It's about time for us to begin. As we begin, I want to welcome everyone, especially visitors. We have several with us in our crowd this morning. Uh, you are our honored guests. Uh, we're happy you've come to worship with us. And please, um, if you will, uh, stay around. Let us get to introduce ourselves and get to know you a little bit better. Uh, if you haven't uh, already, there are cards in the pew, uh, the back of the pew in front of you. Um, if you would, please fill that out and give it to anyone around you and it will get to the right person so that we can have a record uh, of your attendance. Very happy to have everyone here this morning. If you will and you haven't yet, please silence your cell phones. Um, it's always a good habit to do so as you walk in the front doors or as you get out of your car. Um, our worship this morning uh, will be patterned after the uh, after what we find in the new testament we attempt to do everything in spirit and in truth and according to the pattern that we find there and so uh, those who will be facilitating uh, that worship uh, john will be singing leading the scene uh, gary leap will be doing the reading and prayer james ward is in charge of the lord's table this morning and uh, cy wilson will have our, our closing prayer chris our regular uh, minister here will be delivering uh, the sermon. I might mention uh, that in October, um, the elders have decided that we will be going back to passing the communion trays um, amongst us. Um, we feel that it uh, facilitates our ability to have some time to focus on the sacrifice of Christ. Um, and, and we're past the point where I think we have to worry about um, pandemic uh, issues. And we hope those issues certainly do not surface. But if they do, then we'll, we'll go back uh, to whatever we need to do to be safe. The Lord's Supper has been prepared and is in uh, those uh, baskets, containers outside. If you haven't um, gotten one of those, uh, please get one at, at this time or prior to the Lord's Supper. And the giving uh, boxes are in the back for the contribution. Um, so until we start passing things amongst us again, we'll still continue with that at least through the month. Of, of September. Our life groups, uh, you should be getting a call uh, within the next week or so to try to schedule a first life group um, gathering. These are our service and study groups and there are sheets out on the table uh, in the foyer um, for you to find out which one you're in. Your elders and or deacons will be calling you uh, to get those going uh, very shortly. I think that is all the announcements I have. So if you will, bow with me as we enter into our worship period. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for being our Father, for being our Creator and our God. We give you this morning as much honor and glory and praise as is possible as we attempt to worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray, Father, that everything that we do here will please you will be in accordance with your will according to the pattern that we find in your word. 
And we pray that each of us will be edified by having been here. Each of us will be able to enter into this worship and focus upon worshiping you and remembering our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we gather around the table later, Father, we pray that we, each of us, will do what we can to center our thoughts upon him, his love for us, and your love for us. And the fact that without that sacrifice, without that love demonstrated through that sacrifice, that we could never have a hope of salvation. We ask that you be with us as we worship. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Before we begin this morning, the uh, children's, children's Bible Hour students, uh, when that time comes, uh, right before Chris begins to preach, uh, the two through four-year-olds will be in the classroom down the front hallway right before we get to the old, old auditorium. Everybody else up through the third grade will be in the old, old auditorium, not the one next to us, the one at the very far end. So the twos, threes, and four-year-olds will be in the classroom before you get to that auditorium, and everybody else will be in the auditorium, uh, the children's Bible Hour. <clears throat> now, if you would, please stand, and we'll sing hymn number 157, For the Beauty of the Earth, 157. For the beauty of the earth. Please be seated. <coughs> Next hymn this morning, number 24. Number 24, all things bright and beautiful. <coughs> 
After this hymn, Brother Gary Leap will have our scripture reading and prayer. reading this morning comes from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Would you bow with me? We go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, again, we thank you so much for this day that we're able to gather here, Father, and, and sing songs of praises to you. And, and Father, in a few minutes, surround the table and remember the sacrifice that your son made for us. Father, we're thankful for this day, and we're thankful that you are our creator, Father, that, that you made everything. And Father, we're here today to worship you and glorify you because we believe that. We ask, Father, that you will be with those uh, who are in our, our Rome journal, Father, 
We ask that, that you will bless them and you know their need. And Father, we pray for Jerry Fry and Richard McDonald, Vicki Bowen, Sandy Galloway, Janie and Glenn Judge, Charles Boso, Peg and Roger Pryor, Babe Jones, Jim Haney, Jennifer Baker, Danny Wheeler, Cody McDavis, Donya Hennig, Dennis Haney, Jim Schaefer, Ari Sorbel, Diana Foss, and Father, we, we remember our shut-ins at this time, Father. We continue to pray for them, Margaret Wilgus, Charlie and Alice Boso, and Eloise Hayes, and John and Brenda Klein, Opal Galloway, Karina Calicote, Yvonne Cornell, Babe Jones, John Delane, Wilmer Warner, and Charles Sloan. And, and fa Father, if there's others that, uh, that we may not know about, we just ask that you'll bless them, Father, and bless their families and those who are caring for them. We ask that you'll be with Chris this morning as he brings us a lesson, Father. We pray that, uh, that you'll help us to... Uh, to be good listeners, Father, and doers of your word and, and do what you'd have us to do. And, and we know, Father, at times we fail thee, and we just ask that you'll forgive us when we make mistakes. Thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice, and in his name we pray, amen. Next time this morning, number 742, 742, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. When I survey the Wow. 
Each of us have a vision or mental image of what Jesus is like. It might be a story from the Bible or just some, something from our imagination. But in some way, we all can have a picture of him in our hearts and in our minds. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6 God once said, let the light shine out of darkness. And this is the same God who made his light shine in our hearts. He gave us this light by letting us know the glory that God, the glory of God, that is, in the face of Christ. John chapter 1, verse 4, in him was life, and that life was light for the people of the world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overpowered the light. The true light was coming in to the world. The true light gives light to all. John 3, 19, Jesus said, people are judged by this fact. I am the light from God that has come into the world. He who follows the true way comes to the light. Then the light will show that the things he has done were done through God. 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Jesus is here now with us as we are ready to uh, do communion. He's standing with us, reaching it out to us. May we always run from the darkness of this world and strive to walk in the light, which is his life. We have the bread, which represents Christ's body. We have the fruit of the vine, which represents his blood. We know that Jesus is here with us as we prepare and take and, and take these emblems which represents his body. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come to you now thanking you so much for our many blessings, Father. We're thankful, Father, for Jesus, which is light of this world. We're thankful for his sacrifice, for his willingness to come to this earth, Father, to be a savior for all of us. Pray that we clear our minds and concentrate on Jesus as we take these emblems. Please forgive us. In your son's name we pray. Amen. again. Father, we continue our prayer. As we prepare to take the fruit of the vine, which represents the blood, <clears throat> Father, that was sacrificed, 
we're forever grateful. Please continue with us through this service. In your son's name we pray. Amen. We now have the opportunity to give back a, a portion of what God has so richly blessed us with. There's two containers in the back of the auditorium. You can um, give your offering there. This time, let's go to God in prayer. <clears throat> Father in heaven, thank you for all that you do for us, Father, for the country in which we live, the freedoms that we have here to worship you, Father, for the men and women that have sacrificed their lives to help those freedoms. Father, we're thankful for the Rome congregation here, and we continue to pray for the leadership here for the elders, Father, the decisions that they make with the funds that are given. <clears throat> we pray that it will help uh, spread your word throughout the community here and uh, throughout the world, Father. Please bless this offering, and uh, we're grateful and thankful for <clears throat> all that you do for us each and every day. Uh, please forgive us. Through your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's all please stand. We'll sing hymn number 941. 941. I sing the mighty power of God. <clears throat> it's at this time that the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. <clears throat> I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise. There's bread of wings.
Please be seated. The invitation hymn this morning, number nine, sorry, number 754, 754, when Jesus comes. That's time for the Christ. <clears throat> morning. Stories told about two brothers that lived very close to each other. One of them went on a vacation. He asked his other brother to take care of his animals. And so the brother does, and the first brother comes back, and he says, well, how's my cat? And the guy said, well, he died. And the guy said, well, you could have broken it to me a little bit better than that, couldn't you? He said, well, like how? And so the first brother said, well, you could have said, well, he's stuck on the roof. And then the next day you could have told me, well, he fell off the roof and he's at the vet now. And then the next day you could have told me, well, vet couldn't save him, sorry, he, he died. And that would have been a much gentler way to let me know that my cat had died. And the brother said, well, okay, that sounds good man said, oh, before I forget, how's my dog? And the brother said, well, he's stuck on the roof. <laughs> Today we're talking about something that's dead. A lot of people don't know it yet, though. Evolution's dead. It's dead in the water. But a lot of us don't know it yet because they haven't told us, right? So scientists haven't let us know that it's dead in the water. And so you might not be aware that it is. But let me give you some proofs and let me point you into the direction of some articles you can read and some ideas that you can research and go do that on your own. Back in, I think it was 2003, 2004, they started mapping the human genome. This was a big deal, right? And it's taken 13 years to, to kind of get it under control. And it took a little bit longer than that, actually, because they started, I guess, back in 2004, but they just finished out the last little bit of it last year. March of last year, they finished out mapping the human genome. And so now, if you were to give them your DNA, they can show you every, every bit of it. How, how it all fits together and things like that. And it's really, really amazing. Here's kind of how it works, if I'm understanding it correctly. You, you have uh, clusters of cells in your body. I'm not a science teacher, so this is um, outside of my realm of expertise. So, again, go do the research on your own. Um, we welcome questions as people of faith, right? We welcome questions. Sometimes scientists don't always welcome questions. I want you to go do the research. Find out for yourself. This is true. Evolution is dead, and now science has proven it, ironically enough. And the human genome helps us understand it a little bit. So in your body are clusters of cells. In each one of those cells, there's things called chromosomes. On each chromosome in your body, there's things called DNA. And so the Human Genome Project has mapped the DNA. And it's untwisted and looked at it from every different angle that it could, that it could, uh, could be looked at. And so... Uh, <coughs> They thought back in 2000, 2004, when they were starting this project, that there would be somewhere around 150,000 genes out there. They thought that there were going to have to be so many genes, as I understand it, because for evolution to be true, you have to have vast quantities of time. And so if evolution is true, 
that means there has to be mutation after mutation after mutation, right? Everybody with me? And so let's break it down like this. You've got a, uh, uh, an ape or a chimp over here, and the scientists will tell you, at least they used to tell you, they're kind of backing off that now, and in the next 20 or 50 or 100 years, this will be gone, and you won't see it in textbooks, I think. But say you've got a, a chimp over here, and on this far side, uh, 300 billion years later, you've got a man, and his great-great-great-great-grandfather is that chimp. That's what evolution teaches, right? And so for you to get from monkey to man, you've got to have mutation after mutation after mutation. Everybody with me? I know this is a little sciencey. I'm sorry. But think about it like this. To move from monkey to man, the next generation would have to be one-tenth less monkey and one-tenth more man. And then the next generation, two-tenths less monkey and two-tenths more man. But two-tenths and one-tenth isn't, it's infinitesimally small. And so that's why they need these vast quantities of time because it takes a long time for these mutations to happen. The mutations should be in your DNA. This is where the Human Genome Project comes in. This is where it gets a little bit more understandable maybe for us. If evolution were true, they should be able to see those mutations in your DNA, in my DNA, in everyone's DNA should be found evidence of these mutations. And so when they started thinking about this, they said, well, there's going to have to be at least 150,000 genes in there to allow for 75 or 100,000 mutations. They've got to be in there if we really descended from monkeys. If evolution's true, you have to have a lot of mutations in your DNA. Guess what they found in 2021 at the end of March when they finally mapped the entire genome, there was nowhere else to hide. There's only about 20,000 genes in your DNA. 20, 25,000. Nowhere near enough room for all of these mutations. Everybody's kind of looking at me with blank stares. I get it. It's deep, right? Go back and read uh, some, some books by a guy named Michael Behe. Darwin Devolves and um, the other one's about a mousetrap. Uh, Darwin and a Mousetrap, I think is what he called the second book. But he walks you through all this stuff in a much better, more, more conclusive way than I can. But I, I think it's interesting that they expected those genes to be there. They needed those genes to be there for all those mutations, and they just weren't there. And so even scientists that have held this view for a very long time, even scientists who were expecting to be able to prove evolution through the human genome got real quiet real quick. They don't really point to this so much because it actually disproves evolution. They might use some big words and try to confuse you, but at the end of the day, the mutations are not there. Science has proven it. Evolution is dead in the water, but like the guy who has the dead cat or the dead dog, we don't know it just yet. Let me give you an example because that sounds crazy, right? It sounds insane for such a earth-shattering revelation that evolution is dead, not to be on the front of the Time magazine, the Wall Street Journal. Those guys should be, that should be on every news channel on the planet, right? Why is it not? Let me give you an illustration. This guy is named Ernst Hankel. 
he is, um, or was, he died in around 1874. He uh, was a biochemist, really smart guy. He's also really, really talented with art. So he can draw, and his pictures are, are lovely. I mean, this guy's walked through and has drawn um, animals and plants, and, and they're just fantastic. He drew the things uh, on the screen behind me, and, and he said that that proves evolution is true. He looked at it from this standpoint. Each one of these, these animals, the fish, the salamander, the tortoise, the chick, all the way down the line to the human, he said we go through the evolutionary timeline in utero. We look like a fish to begin with, humans look like fish to begin with, and then we kind of look like a salamander, right? You kind of see it on the, on the screen uh, in front of me. And then we, we kind of look like a tortoise, and, and all the way down until we start looking like a human. He says, aha, that proves evolution. You know the problem with this? He made it up. This is not what human embryos look like. We don't look anything like a fish or a tortoise or a salamander or a chicken or a hog. We don't look like these things. This guy's a talented artist, and he drew it so that it proved evolution. He was disproven in his lifetime. Remember I said he died in 1874, round about there. Remember, go back and do the research on this stuff. 1874, he dies. He's disproven and has made the mockery of the scientific world for at least 20 years before his death. Everyone makes fun of this guy. How many of you guys saw this in your science textbooks growing up? Because I did. I bet you did too. And it was disproven in 1850. Evolution doesn't die easy, but it's dead. There's not enough room. And science agrees with us. Finally, we have the science is caught up to Scripture. Finally, science is caught up enough to Scripture so that we can put evolution in the ground for good. It is not true, but it doesn't die easy. And so we're going to have to deal with it. Who knows how long, how it shifts and how this, this theory morphs and the lies that they're going to continue to sell you and how they're going to make you feel stupid for buying into creation. You don't feel stupid for buying into creation. This is dumb, right? Somebody making up a lie that he knew was a lie and selling it so that he can make money on it. That's the dumb thing. You don't let them make you feel small because you believe in creation. All right, let me get you into some Bible. Genesis 1, we can talk about science all day, but if we don't, interact with the biblical text here. We haven't done any good. So let's interact with the biblical text. Turn over to Genesis chapter 1. This is the passage Gary read for us this morning. You're familiar with it. I'm sure you could probably quote it, right? What I think is so interesting is when God says on that very first day, and he does it for every day, you go back and check Genesis 1, read through Genesis 1 today, and check me, <coughs> but it's there every time he says something like this. In verse 5, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was, this is the part you're going to hear every day. There was evening and there was morning the first day. 
Now, we use day. That's why the, the old guys on the screen behind me, we use day like that in our own culture, don't we? Well, back in my day, right, we, we know that we're not talking about a specific 24-hour period, right? We're talking about a generation or an age. Back in my day, we did it like this. And so Scripture has terms to talk about back in my day, back in an age, an extended period of time. It has words to talk about extended periods of time. It does not use that word here. Every time he says day in Scripture, in Genesis 1, it's always a 24-hour period. Literally a 24-hour period. You can go back and look it up. It's the Hebrew word yom. And so every time he uses that in Scripture, and he uses it, I mean, obviously, it's, it's the word for 24-hour day. And so when he, calls, when he talks about a day in the rest of Scripture, he's going to use this word again. So if he can't write the Bible in a way that I can understand it, why, did he, why do I have it? Does that make sense? Like, if he's writing a word, if he's, if he's using logic here that says, well, this is, this is an age. Uh, it, it was actually 100 billion years. Each one of these days represents 100 billion years. But he uses the word for a literal 24-hour period. You shouldn't trust Scripture. Because that doesn't make any sense. But, on the other hand, if he does mean a literal 24-hour period, and he uses the word to, that describes a literal 24-hour period, you had better believe that he created the world in six literal 24-hour periods. Because that's what the Bible says. And we're people of the book. I can only talk where the book speaks, right? If he's silent on this issue, I can't, I can't deal with it. And so... We only talk where the Bible talks. We only speak where the Bible speaks. Even beyond this idea of, of yom, that word that literally means a 24-hour period, though, he defines his term for you. He defines what a day is. Because I'm assuming that God knew what was going to happen in the future and decided that, well, since evolution is going to be a big deal sometime in the, in the near future from when he writes this, that people are going to believe that this was billions of years. I better define, again, what a literal 24-hour period is. So say that the word yom, the word that means a 24-hour period, wasn't enough of a definition for a literal 24-hour period. He defines what that means. And so back up. In the uh, five, toward the end of five, verse five, and there was evening and there was morning, the first day. We don't talk like that, right? That's not how we, that's not how we measure time right now. The evening and morning. We say there was morning and evening, right? But you get the concept. This is just how the Jewish people thought about days, and so to them, a day started in the evening of one day. Like say Sunday tonight will start the brand new day. And then Monday night when the sun goes down is the next day. So uh, evening and morning is one day. He's still talking about a little, literal 24-hour period, right? So 
it's tough to get around that. If you believe in evolution, you can't believe in the Bible too. And if you believe in the Bible, you can't believe in evolution. One of them is wrong. And they both demand that they're right. So which one are you going to follow? Like we said, science has already disproven evolution. It's dead in the water. No need to follow that. It's actually been disproven by its proponents. But you know what? What's kind of funny, like we talked about last week, Scripture's never once been disproven by its detractors. Isn't that funny? People have had thousands of years to throw rocks at Scripture. And it's never once taken a hit. Isn't that interesting? Doesn't take long to disprove evolution. You're not ever going to be able to disprove Scripture. Let's look a couple more, at a couple more things. This, this evening and morning... Uh, is just one clue that uh, what he's talking about here is a literal 24-hour period. This, this thing that he does with numbering the days, and that was the first day, right? He does that six more times. And this was the first, and this was the second, and this was the third day, right? Go back and look in Genesis 1. He does that six times. This is the first day. This is the second day. That numbering of a day is never once used in all of Scripture to refer to anything other than a literal 24-hour period. Does that make sense? It's never once used figuratively. So when he says, and that was the tenth day, never once in all of Scripture is he meaning that that was more than the tenth day, the tenth 24-hour period. He, he never once uses it to say that that was a thousand years or a hundred years or a billion years. He always uses that to talk about a literal 24-hour period. Even farther than that, though, step outside of Scripture for just a second. We know that's dangerous, right? But step outside of Scripture for just a second and deal with the rest of Jewish literature as a whole. Never once in all the Jewish literature that we have at our disposal now Will a Jewish person say, this was the fifth day after my surgery? This was the tenth day of my wedding? Never once will they use a numbered day to mean something that's figurative. Never once in all of Jewish literature. Not letters, not memos, not receipts. Never once does any Jewish person at any of our literature that we have from them, and there's a lot. Never once do they use a numbered day figuratively. He's talking about a literal 24-hour period here, and there's no way around it. Here's the third clue that this is not talking about billions of years, or even millions of years, but just a single 24-hour period. Check out what he says here in Genesis 1, 11-13. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, Plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit and which is their seed. Each according to its kind. That's going to be important later, but we're going to come back to that. On the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation. Plants yielding seed according to their own kinds. And trees bearing fruit in which is their seed. Each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning. The third day. There it is again. Remember we said he, he repeats this 
this pattern. There was evening, there was morning the next day. Every time he's referring to a literal 24-hour period, right? So when he's referring to this, this day specifically, if we are to believe in evolution, this is called the gap theory. If you ever start researching this particular idea that uh, how evolution the Bible can, can work together, it's called the gap theory. And they'll say that each one of these days was a billion years, give or take. Um, and so that's not what Scripture teaches, though, is it? Because Scripture teaches that it was a literal 24-hour period in which, each, in which each one of these things was made. And so let me give you some logic here just real quick. You've probably thought of this already if you've thought about this at all. If the earth brought forth vegetation on this day and it was a billion years until what happened on the next day, the sun, how did photosynthesis take place? How do the plants grow? How do they replicate? They could not. So there wouldn't be plants today if the gap theory is right. It's illogical. Three clues that says that what he's talking about here is a literal 24-hour period. Here in Genesis 1, there's just not room for evolution in science anymore and there's never been room for it in scripture it just doesn't fit you can't shove it in there look at what else remember I said we're coming back to the according to its kind thing there's a law I didn't come up with a law it's not my law it's a law that scientists have noticed in nature it's called the law of biogenesis it basically means that if you've got two fish together and they have a baby what's that baby it's going to be a fish, right? If you have a fish and a fish together, they don't shoot out a hippopotamus, right? They don't shoot out a cat, right? Uh, if you've got a dog and a dog, they don't make a cow, right? This is the law of biogenesis. Things make things like them. Human and a human, we make a human, right? So for evolution to be true, follow the logic. Everybody with me? Follow the logic. For evolution to be true, the law of biogenesis has to be thrown in the trash can. Because at some point, a monkey and a monkey mated and made something that wasn't quite a monkey. Everybody with me? And then that monkey and that monkey got together and they made something that wasn't quite a monkey. And it happened over the next 360 billion years. The law of biogenesis just got thrown in the trash. For 360 billion years. Not just in humans, but across every animal and plant out there. Evolution is illogical. It doesn't make sense. And it goes against its own laws. You can do this on day five and day six as well with the animals. What's interesting though, in addition to all that, is that the Bible is more scientific than evolution. How did Moses know that if you get a cat and a cat together, that they make a cat? Because that's not the common theme today. <laughs> if you buy into evolution, you think a cat and a cat can get together and they can shoot out a hippopotamus. How did Moses know that? 
1,500 years before Jesus was born. And he's so crazy specific. Go back through and you look. Maybe you should get, grab a pen or a pencil and just underline these. Let's start, start in uh, chapter 1, verse 11. And God said, let the earth sprout forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruits bearing and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed according to its kind. Underline kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds. And trees bearing fruit in which is their seed each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And it happens again on day five and day six. Everything multiplies by its kind. He's talking about the law of biogenesis. Before scientists ever knew that it existed. They didn't come up with it, right? They didn't make it. They just noticed that it existed. So back in Moses' day, it existed, right? Because God made up these laws. and He said, this is how life is going to function. You get a cat and a cat together and they make a cat. But he's so oddly specific here with this repetition. Go back through in the day as you read through Genesis 1. Underline every time he says kind. I think he says it like 10 or 11 times throughout this, this one chapter. Every time he's pointing to the law of biogenesis that we still haven't figured out today if you buy into evolution. Interesting, right? Like we say, there's not enough room in Genesis 1 or any of Scripture for evolution to be true. Genesis 1 is more scientific than the theory of evolution. That's what we just talked about. Even beyond that, though, flip over to Matthew 19. Matthew chapter 19. There's a problem if you buy into evolution. You've got a problem with Scripture. And you really got a problem with Jesus. Matthew 19, verse 4. Check out what he says. He's talking to the Pharisees here about marriage. They don't get it. Um, and that's a different conversation for another day. But listen to what he says here. Jesus answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? What's Jesus' take on evolution? Does he buy it? Nope. He falls right in line with Genesis 1, that God created them. And when he says, from the beginning, even your mind goes right back to where what passage of Scripture Right back to Genesis 1, right? In the beginning. That's where he wanted your mind to go. That's where he knew a Jewish mind would go because these guys know their Bible. And we just happen to know Genesis 1 like they knew most of the Old Testament. And so when he says he created them from the beginning, our minds shoot right back to Genesis 1. So Jesus is pulling in all of that stuff from Genesis 1, is pulling it into this conversation. And he's saying, read between the lines, listen to what he's saying. He's claiming evolution's not true. He's claiming that God really did make everything you see in six literal 24-hour periods. Because that's what Genesis 1 says. So if you bind evolution, you're disagreeing with Jesus. And then we get into some pretty dicey territory, don't we? We always want to agree with him. And so we speak where the Bible speaks, and we can't go beyond that. So what do you believe about evolution? 
Science doesn't back it up anymore, does it? Go back and do the research on your own. Don't take my word for it. Faith loves questions. So you take your questions, but you take them right back to Scripture, right? In this instance, you feel free to take them back to science because science is going to back this up. Our faith is built on a bedrock idea. Right? Your faith is built on logic. This is not an emotional faith. This is a logic-driven faith. You have researched these ideas and found God to be true. So keep on doing that. Keep on doing this research. Look for this in Scripture. Guess what you'll find? That God created the world in six literal 24-hour periods. Guess what you're even going to find in science now? They're not admitting it, not wholesale, not yet. Remember our guy Ernst Hankel, they may not admit it for another 150 years, but it's dead in the water and there's nothing they can do about it because science doesn't back up evolution. It never did. And now we can prove it thanks to the Human Genome Project. So what do you believe about evolution? Are you going to agree with Scripture or are you going to buy into some of the things that your science teacher told you? This is a hefty issue, right? There's a lot of science. There's a lot of um, emotion behind this, right? Like we said earlier, people will call you all kinds of names if you step out and say that God created the world in six literal 24-hour periods. Some people, even of faith, will throw rocks at you. How can you believe that? Science has disproven that. No. Science actually disproved evolution. You're not the fool for believing in what God says. And Paul said, let every man be a liar. Let God be true, but every man be a liar. Even if everyone else is wrong, God's always right. He's right about this issue too. So what do you believe about it? Where, what are you going to do? Where are you going to stand on this issue? Go back and do the research. Put the work in. Figure out what you believe that lines up with Scripture. I'd love to have a conversation with you anytime about some animals um, that disprove evolution. We've, we've done all kinds of research in that area. Um, ants and spiders and uh, just a plethora of things. But this is just, so this is just a small subset of this argument. But there's a lot out there that just disproves evolution in the water. It's dead. Today, I know the lesson hasn't been particularly evangelistic, but if something's been said that you think, oh, I need to study more about this issue or more about salvation in general, we'd love to sit down with you and study. Maybe today you've, you've been struggling and you just need the prayers of this congregation to be who God would have you to be. If you have any need today, why don't you come as we stand and sing. Where Jesus comes to be for his word eyes, where there is need for life, faith flows to him, where he finds us watching, where the red
Good morning, church family. A couple of announcements before we are dismissed. Uh, if you're visiting with us, uh, we're glad you decided to worship with us this morning. Um, there's a visitor card right in front of you. If you can take a moment to fill one of these out so that way we can have record of your attendance. You can either hand it to somebody next to you or you can drop it inside the box in the back of the, uh, of the church. But we'd love to have a record of your attendance here this evening or this morning. Already getting ahead of myself. Uh, last week was a great week. Uh, we had Sunday for the Savior. That was for our little kids. We also took a trip to Krispy Kreme, and when we arrived, the hot and ready sign was on. So that brought a smile to our faces. Um, also, we uh, I spoke at the Fairland football team uh, before their game on third for their game on Friday, and I would like to say that they won because of me speaking there Thursday. Um, <laughs> Steeler. Mason. That's not true, is it? It's true. You don't know. I mean, it could be. I need to do it more often. And uh, also Carter Caves. Um, but uh, we have a lot going on again this week and this a couple, uh, couple of months. Uh, this evening, there will be a middle school and high school uh, devotion at the Knapp's house after services tonight. Also, Flatwoods is having their gospel meeting Monday through Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And we are planning on taking the church bus uh, to the gospel meeting, and we're leaving here at 6 o'clock. So I do encourage you to come to that. Um, also, uh, next Sunday, uh, it will be the deacons and elders meeting. So all deacons, please uh, put that in your calendars. Um, and if anybody is needing canning jars, uh, please see Connie Miller or Sandy Galloway. Uh, I guess she has a lot to give away, so if you're planning on canning, uh, please see them. Also, we're needing some people to sign up to cut grass this month. Um, uh, Greg Sullivan's filled, he's, he's booked up this week with homecoming. Um, I, I wouldn't want to be part of that, but, uh, but I'm sure he's busy right now. But uh, if you can help out with cut grass, please see Greg. Um, he will show you the, the, uh, the perimeters to cut and also show you where the lawnmowers and gas is at. Um, but we have all that provided for you, but if you can help out to cut grass this month, we'd greatly appreciate it. Also, the, I have probably about a little over 25 of the directories done. It's a slow process, but they don't have holes in them yet. If you want a directory now, um, please see me. I'll, I'll be in the office where the copier's at. You can grab a directory, put your old your own holes in it, uh, that would even help me out um, some, but because uh, we're printing 150 of them, so if you're wanting a directory now, please see me. Also, um, we're feeding Fairland uh, soccer team on Monday. Uh, this is probably about 38 to 40 of our kids uh, that go to Fairland. Um, if you can help out with that, um, we'll be feeding them Monday at 7.30. Just be here at 7. We would greatly appreciate your help. It was an opportunity for us to, to be present for, uh, for these kids. And also, uh, men, please put on your calendar on uh, November 5th. I'm telling you this now so that way we have plenty of men there. November 5th, we're having our planning meeting uh, that Saturday. 
Uh, breakfast will be, be provided at 8 o'clock, and the meeting will start at 8.30. Um, remember in our prayers, uh, remember uh, Chad's uh, mom and dad, Chad Judge, remember his mom and dad. Remember continue to pray for Jennifer Baker and Jim Haney as they go through their cancer treatments. And um, as I'm sure a lot of you know, today is uh, the 21st anniversary of 9-11. Just remember all those people who... Um, that lost their life, who were there during that time, who are still struggling with grief, uh, PTSD. Um, think of, uh, pray for the volunteers who helped out with that and the ones who uh, went to Afghanistan as well afterwards. So remember all those um, in our daily prayers. Uh, that's all the announcements I have. Looking forward to seeing everybody again. Yes, Gary. Tuesday, the bus will be leaving to go to Flatwoods at 6 o'clock. Tuesday, the bus will be leaving to go to Flatwoods at 6 o'clock. That's all the announcements I have. Looking forward to seeing everybody again at 6 o'clock uh, this evening. We'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Let's please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 226, How Great Thou Art. We'll sing the first two verses, and then Brother Si Wilson will have our prayer. Oh, Lord, my God, when I am lost of wonder, consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power God, the universe is pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for all the many blessings you've given us. We thank you for this time that you've allowed us to come together here to worship you, to sing songs of praise to you, to hear a lesson from your word. Lord, we pray that we'll leave here better Christians than when we came. Lord, we'll 
go out into the area and spread your word. Lord, we pray that you'll be with all those that have been mentioned that are sick and that need your help. Lord, just be with them, be with the doctors and nurses caring for them. Lord, we pray that we'll always remember that you are our creator and that you have given us all things. Lord, we also acknowledge today is the anniversary of 9-11. Lord, we pray that you'll help us to always remember what you have given us. Lord, we know that you have given us this country to that is the best in the world that has given us this freedom to come here, all the many blessings that we have because of it. Lord, we pray that you'll continue to be with those that were affected, Lord, whether it be having family members that were lost or having to go to war. Lord, we just pray that you'll be with all those. And Lord, we pray that you'll be with those that that actually committed the act. Lord, we pray that you'll open their eyes and open their hearts and realize that that is not the way. Lord, we pray that you'll just continue to watch over this country, to watch over the world, and that, that things like that will not happen again. Lord, we pray that you'll be with us as we leave here today. Lord, that Again, we'll be able to go into the area and spread your word and to bring more to you. Lord, we pray that you'll watch over us and keep us safe and forgive us. For it's through Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.